Eco Report is a weekly public affairs program providing independent media coverage of environmental and ecological studies with a focus on local, state, and regional people, issues, and events in order to foster open discussion of human relationships with nature and the earth and to encourage you to take personal responsibility for living sustainably in the world. Eco Report is produced by an independent team of volunteers working at the studios of Community Radio WFHB in Bloomington, Indiana and financially supported by listeners like you. Hello, and welcome to Eco Report for WFHB. I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Patrick Callanan. Coming up later in today's feature report, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will discuss PFAS cleanup rules, which covers proposed regulations for producers to clean up PFAS chemicals they manufactured. And now for your environmental reports. The lead story in the December 18 Herald Times is headlined as Cleaner Energy Options. The story is about Salesforce, Roche, and Cummings, all calling for more availability of green energy. Maybe they can exert some sway on the legislature, even though that seems very unlikely. Indiana's government prefers more polluting industries, such as the plastics-to-fuel plant in Ashley, or the coal-to-diesel plant proposed for a location in Dale. The last legislative session did not allow discussion of climate change and did not allow proposed legislation from 20,000 high school petitioners to even be read in the environmental committees. Instead, the legislature decided to pursue small nuclear reactors, and carbon sequestration. The small nuclear reactors would make more expensive power and have the perennial issue of what to do with the waste. The carbon sequestration plan is designed to save the 2,000 jobs in the coal industry in spite of the likelihood that electricity rates would skyrocket. The Indiana government does not value the fact that wind and solar are proven and the least expensive options for producing power. For example, 60% of Iowa's energy is generated by wind and solar. Iowans pay less than 12 cents per kilowatt for that energy. Hoosiers pay 15 cents for our power. Indiana is among the states with the least green power, along with Alabama and Mississippi. Republicans have a supermajority in its government and are focused on profit and exploitation. This focus is likely to persist for decades. As a consequence, Indiana ranks third worst of all states in air and water pollution. Louisiana and Nevada are the only states with the worst record. Indiana ranks the worst in the Midwest for environmental justice, meaning we place our dirty industries in neighborhoods of color or poverty. The Indiana Natural Resources Commission, NRC, has approved the dedication of Sycamore Land Trust Clemens Place on Clifty Creek in Greene County as a dedicated nature preserve. 
This 58-acre nature preserve is owned and managed by Sycamore, a regional nonprofit that protects and cares for 10,763 acres of land in southern Indiana. This dedication recognizes Clemens Place on Clifty Creek as one of the most significant natural areas in our state. It is the 297th state-designated site to be protected by Indiana's Nature Preserves Act of 1967. Dedication requires the approval of the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, DNR, and the NRC, which is an autonomous board that addresses topics pertaining to the DNR. The Nature Preserve includes a portion of the Clifty Creek Canyon, which features towering sandstone bluffs and a karst sink. This area was identified decades ago as a significant natural site by the DNR's Natural Areas Registry, and its significant geology was described in the 1921 Handbook of Indiana Geology. A photo of the sandstone cliffs on the Clemens property appeared in the 1921 handbook. In addition, the preserve also features a mature oak hickory forest. The preserve is not open to public access because it is not accessible by a public road. It is protected for its conservation value to preserve important habitat and geologic features. We are very glad to work with the Natural Resources Commission and Department of Natural Resources to give this special nature preserve an extra level of recognition, said John Lawrence, Executive Director of Sycamore Land Trust. Clemens Place on Clifty Creek is the fifth dedicated nature preserve owned and managed by Sycamore Land Trust. The other four dedicated nature preserves protected by Sycamore Land Trust are Bean Blossom Bottoms Nature Preserve in Monroe County, Trevlack Bluffs Nature Preserve in Brown County, the Laura Hare Nature Preserve at Back Creek in Lawrence County, and Canyon Forest Nature Preserve in Greene County. The late Bill Clemens Jr., who gave his family land to Sycamore in 2011, said that donating the Clemens Place on Clifty Creek to Sycamore Land Trust gave me a meaningful way to honor members of my family who settled on the land before the Civil War as well as to ensure the land would be appropriately managed and contribute to the trust goal of preserving Indiana's landscape. Scrubhub, a part of the Indy Star operation, monitors various environmental issues and recently published a story on emissions. They found that as a state, we are one of just 10 that emitted nearly half of the country's carbon dioxide. As a whole, Indiana emitted nearly 185 million metric tons of greenhouse gases, or those that contribute to climate change, in 2020. That's the most recent data available for across all sectors. Who within Indiana are the state's biggest emitters of greenhouse gases, including carbon dioxide, methane, and nitrous oxide and others? It may come as no surprise, but it's a lot of industry particularly the power and manufacturing sectors. But just how much are they putting out there? When accounting for all greenhouse gas emissions in Indiana, the three main sectors from the biggest to smallest are electric power production, industry, and transportation. Being the crossroads of America, transportation makes up a good chunk of Indiana's emissions. 
Still, it accounts for only 20% of the state's total greenhouse gas releases in 2020. Power and industry, on the other hand, together make up more than 60% of those emissions across Indiana. When looking at greenhouse gases that are released from major facilities across the state, those two sectors have an even larger presence. More than three-quarters of Indiana's facility emissions come from power production and from industry, particularly steel. According to the, the most recent EPA data available, which was updated in August of this year, 199 Indiana facilities emitted 120 million metric tons of carbon dioxide and various greenhouse gases in 2021. 70 million of those tons, or 57%, are from the power industry, and an additional 31 million tons, or 25%, are from the steel industry. Indiana's biggest emitter in 2021, releasing 10.3 million tons of greenhouse gases, is the U.S. Steel Corporation plant in Gary, that facility's emissions have gone up significantly in the last year as the company announced it was increasing production. U.S. Steel ousted the previous top emitter, Duke Energy's Gibson Coal Power Plant, which now holds the number two spot. Three major greenhouse gas releasing facilities include AES Indiana's Petersburg Coal Plant, two Cleveland Cliffs steel plants in northern Indiana, and other coal power plants around the state. Of the top 10 greatest emitters, nine of them are either power plants or steel makers. The only one that is not in the 10th spot is BP's oil refinery along Lake Michigan. The state of Indiana, however, has failed to take some key steps on emissions and climate change. During the 2022 legislative session, lawmakers did not even hear or consider two pieces of legislation on the topic. One was the resolution that acknowledged climate change even exists, and the other was a bill that would create a task force to look at climate change issue in Indiana. Neither even got a hearing. Why is it that Indiana attracts new industries from out of state that aim to place a process in Indiana that could prove to heavily pollute our air? The latest site sits behind parked railroad cars painted in graffiti where abandoned concrete silos rise from the sandy southern shore of Lake Michigan, a remnant of a former cement plant that helped build the country's interstate highway system. Here, a California company called Fulcrum Bioenergy wants to construct a gasification plant and refinery to turn the Chicago area's trash, as much as 30% of it is waste plastic, into jet fuel. It's a bid, according to Fulcrum, to make a dent into the airline industry's contribution to climate change while reducing waste at landfills. The city's mayor, Jerome Prince, touts, what he sees as a green energy future in this once booming vestige of the Rust Belt. But Lori Latham and the group she co-founded, Gary Advocates for Responsible Development, along with some national environmental experts, smell a ruse. They question the company's claims of, of sustainability in what amounts to a complicated, 
high energy production process and the company's ability to deploy a new combination of technology intended to turn the trash and plastic waste into gas used to make aircraft fuel. They also say it's unfair to locate the plant in an environmental justice community already burdened disproportionately by a century of pollution from heavy industry. Quote, We use the term greenwashing, where they make things seem like they're green technologies when they're really not, end quote, said Latham, a Gary native who works in business development for an engineering firm and also is chairwoman of the Environmental Justice and Climate Committee of Gary's branch of the NAACP, the nation's oldest civil rights organization. Quote, I feel like Gary is being used based on its location and also based on its demographics, just to be a solution for where to put Chicago's trash, end quote. This endeavor is not alone. Another California company wants to make fuel out of plastic waste in Ashley, Indiana. After two years, Brightmark Energy has yet to get the factory up and running. Environmentalists say pyrolysis requires too much energy, emits greenhouse gases and pollutants, and turns plastic waste into new, dirty fossil fuels. Another proposal would make diesel fuel out of coal in Dale, Indiana. Thus, currently there are three proposals to place dirty industries in Indiana. Why? Because Indiana allows highly polluting industries to operate. The investment management firm, the Vanguard Group, is walking out of the world's largest climate finance alliance, marking the coalition's biggest defection to date as U.S. Republicans step up their threats against firms deemed hostile towards the fossil fuel industry. Vanguard's decision followed a considerable period of review, according to the company's statement Wednesday. Vanguard is withdrawing from the Net Zero Asset Managers Initiative, which represents some 550 members with roughly $150 trillion of assets in total. Vanguard was concerned that they might face growing legal risks for appearing to avoid carbon-intensive sectors. Vanguard indicated its position rested in a desire to maintain the freedom not to restrict its investment options. Indiana Attorney General Todd Rokita is among the leaders of a multi-state effort to stop companies like Vanguard from investing in ventures, which put an emphasis on environmental, social, and government's issues. The group said such strategies are designed not to maximize financial returns for clients, but rather to impose social and economic agendas. Quote, Vanguard's involvement in this leftist vendetta held the potential to cause harm to Hoosier investors and energy consumers, affecting everything from retirement accounts to electricity bills, end quote, Rokita said in a written statement. Quote, by working together, fellow like-minded attorneys general and I have a t- achieved an important win for free enterprise on behalf of our state's End quote. GOP politicians have made clear that they plan to ratchet up their attacks on firms suspected of being anti-oil. House Republicans are set to hold congressional hearings on the subject, while a number of anti-environment bills will soon be introduced in states across the country. 
Fossil fuel companies reported record profits in 2022, including coal, which experienced a downward turn for about a decade before a brief resurgence in 2021 when coal became the largest source of electricity generation in 15 states due to high natural gas prices. One of those states is Indiana, where coal makes up about 64% of the total energy produced and about 26% of the energy consumed in the state. According to the Indiana Department of Natural Resources, the state's mining industry, including coal, supports about 2,500 jobs and adds about $750 million to the state economy. Coal has had an outsized influence on state lawmakers and officials by hundreds of thousands of dollars in direct political donations. Lawmakers and officials in turn work to protect the industry despite its effect on the climate and its diminishing economic prospects. Congress has proposed $1 billion to help poor countries cope with climate change, a figure that falls significantly short of President Biden's promise that the United States will spend $11.4 billion annually by 2024 to ensure developing nations can transition to clean energy and adapt to a warming planet. The money is part of a sprawling $1.7 trillion government spending package that lawmakers made public early Tuesday and are expected to vote on this week. Democrats had sought a $3.4 billion for various global climate programs, but Republicans squashed what they called radical environmental and climate policies in the spending bill. The Republicans are poised to assume control of the House in January, further dimming prospects for additional climate funds for at least the next two years. The setback for Mr. Biden comes a month after he appeared at the United Nations climate talks in Egypt, where he promised to deliver financial help to developing nations that are suffering from the impacts of a climate crisis for which they are ill-prepared and did little to cause. The climate crisis is hitting hardest those countries and communities that have the fewest resources to respond and to recover, Mr. Biden told the gathering. These COP meetings continue to urge members to strive toward limiting warming to 1.5 degrees Celsius. The meetings are swamped by lobbyists from the fossil fuel industry who favor the 1.5 degree target because they want society to believe it's achievable at any time. Most climate scientists conclude that that option was ruled out 10 years ago. Most scientists say a more likely range is 3 to 5 degrees Celsius by 2100. That will mean ocean levels could be 50 feet higher by 2300. A ban on goods imported by the U.S. from the Xinjiang region in China due to concerns over forced labor has impeded imports of solar panels putting solar installations in the U.S. on course to drop by almost a quarter this year. According to this year's U.S. Solar Market Insight report, released by the Solar Energy Industries Association and Energy Research and Consultancy Group, Wood McKenzie. And now, Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter will discuss PFAS cleanup rules, which cover proposed regulations for producers to clean up PFAS chemicals they manufactured. 
After years of failed attempts to rein in PFAS contamination through federal legislation, the Biden administration has proposed designating two forever chemicals, PFOA and PFOS, as hazardous substances under the nation's Superfund law. The designation would help track the use of chemicals and their spread and would also force the companies that use them to be responsible for their cleanup. But those companies argue that the Biden approach is the wrong legal tool to use for the cleanup and that the designation would be too costly and lead to unforeseen consequences. PFAS chemicals have been used since the 1940s to make products resistant to heat, water, grease, and stains. They are more commonly known by their name brands like Teflon, Gore-Tex, and Scotchgard. After decades of almost unregulated use, the man-made chemicals can now be found almost everywhere in the environment, from the soil used to grow crops for human and animal consumption to rainfall in the Arctic Ocean. The chemicals can also be found in the bloodstream of about 95% of Americans, where it stays for about five years. Thousands of PFAS chemicals exist, but only a few, like PFOA and PFOS, have been thoroughly studied. Use of and exposure to those chemicals have been linked to an increased risk of kidney or testicular cancer, liver damage, increased cholesterol levels, decreased vaccine response in children, increased risk of high blood pressure or preeclampsia in pregnant women, decrease in birth weight, and other health problems. The health problems associated with PFAS chemicals are creating a $63 billion a year economic burden for Americans, including medical bills, and reduced worker productivity across a lifetime. The EPA is charged with carrying out the Superfund law, officially called the Comprehensive Environmental Response, Compensation, and Liability Act of 1980. EPA Administrator Michael Regan said the designation is based on significant evidence that PFOA and PFOS may present a substantial danger to human health or welfare and the environment. Environmental groups like Sierra Club and Earth Justice welcomed the proposal, saying it would help hold polluters accountable for decades of pollution. The companies that use PFAS products and the trade organizations that represent them oppose the proposal, saying the designation would result in cleanups too expensive for companies to afford and cause ripple effects throughout the industries that support them. The variety of industries opposed to the rule gives a clue about the extent of PFAS use in the U.S. National trade organizations like the U.S. Chamber of Commerce, National Mining Association, American Chemistry Council, and the American Petroleum Institute are joined by the International Car Wash Association, the American Farm Bureau Federation, the International Association of Fire Chiefs, and other groups in opposition to the proposal, mainly citing the direct and indirect costs of carrying out the cleanups. A study sponsored by the U.S. Chamber of Commerce found PFOA and PFOS Superfund sites could cost companies between $700 million and $800 million a year. The Indiana Chamber of Commerce and 20 other commerce organizations have asked for the proposal to be withdrawn, citing, among other things, potential liability. Local governments and organizations representing state and local utilities also opposed the proposed designation. The City of Columbus, American Water Works Association, American Public Works Association, the Association of State Drinking Water Administrators, and others argue that the sources of the PFAS contamination should be responsible for the cleanup. This is what the APWA wrote in comments to the EPA. We strongly recommend that public works facilities that abided by best practices for treatment and disposal should not be held liable for something they did not create, and the proposed standards not inadvertently place an unjust legal burden on water systems and the communities which they serve. 
Purdue University warned that the proposal could negatively affect research on the chemicals. Researchers at Purdue are currently performing PFAS research for the EPA with grants totaling $3.8 million. The university's hazardous materials manager said a hazardous substance designation for PFAS chemicals could increase costs for disposing of the chemical properly, draining the funds allotted to scientists for their research. Jennifer Freeman, professor of toxicology at Purdue University's School of Health Sciences, said the designation could also open up additional funding resources through the Superfund program that could help study, monitor, and remediate PFAS contamination. The EPA plans to finalize the proposal in 2023. For Eco Report, I'm Juliana Daly. And I'm Patrick Callanan. Here at Eco Report, we are currently looking for reporters, engineers, and segment producers. Our goal is to report facts on how we're all affected by global climate disruption and the ongoing assaults on our air, land, and water. We also celebrate ecologists, tree huggers, soil builders, and an assortment of champions who actively protect and restore our natural world, particularly those who are active in South Central Indiana. All levels of experience and all ages are welcome, and we provide the training you'll need. WFHB also offers internships. To volunteer for Eco Report, give us a call at 812-323-1200 or email us at earth at wfhb.org. And now for some upcoming events. Take your first day hike at Morgan Monroe State Forest on Sunday, January 1st, 2023, beginning at 8 a.m., Meet at the Walls Shelter for this approximately one-mile hike on a paved trail. You will leave the shelter and return to the shelter. Wear comfortable shoes. You can also take a first-day long hike at Spring Mill State Park on Sunday, January 1st, 2023, from 9 to 10 a.m. Join the naturalists at the Lakeview Activity Center for a hike around the lake on Trail 5. It is one mile long and partially rugged. You can enjoy hot chocolate and cookies at the end of your hike. The 10th annual first day trail run and walk will take place at the Fairfax State Recreation Area at Monroe Lake on Sunday, January 1st, 2023, beginning at 3.30 p.m. Choose from a 3.7 mile, 2.9 mile, or 1.3 mile course for this untimed non-competitive run-walk. Ring in the new year as you cross the finish line. Register at bit.ly slash firstdayrun2023. Whooper Wednesday will continue every Wednesday at the Goose Pond Fish and Wildlife Area until February the 8th. Meet at 9 a.m. for a morning bird walk to spot Goose Pond resident winter birds, including the endangered whooping cranes, Dress for the weather. Take the Wolf Full Moon Hike at Brown County State Park on Friday, January 6, 2023, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. Hike on Trail 7 around Lake Ogle to learn the history and lore of the Wolf Full Moon. Trail 7 at night is considered rugged and is 1.2 miles long. Eco Report is brought to you in part by MPI Solar a Bloomington business specializing in solar hot water, solar electricity, 
and solar hot air systems. MPI Solar designs and installs solar power generation systems that encourage independence and individual responsibility. Found locally at 812-334-4003 and on the web at mpisolarenergy.com. This week's headlines were written by Norm Holy and Kate Hamill with the Sycamore Land Trust. Our feature was prepared and presented by Enrique Sands with the Indiana Environmental Reporter. Our script today was assembled by Juliana Daly and edited by yours truly, Patrick Callanan. Juliana Daly compiled our events calendar. Yours truly, Patrick Callanan, produced today's show and edited its audio. For WFHB, I'm Juliana Daly, and we would like to wish you all a safe and happy new year. And I'm Patrick Callanan. And this is Eco Report.